It is February 24th, 2024, and we're back here. It's the usual crew. It's me. It's Diego. It's Guido. Hello, both. How are you? I'm, I'm doing great. Now, <laughs> it's, it's uh, a lot of uh, sickness uh, in, uh, well, uh, February uh, and, and busy. So, um, fortunately, I, I took a week off, or a month off. The whole February I took off from my uh, my, my bike messaging uh, work because I was a bit of tired of the terrible weather and I thought, let's take a month off. and then oh, I wish I could do that. Back in Mar- <laughs> I wish March. I could do that. <laughs> How have you been, Diego? Have you been sick as well? Yeah, you bet. Yes, I've been sick for way too long, much longer than my usual and uh, stuck at home. Uh, not even sick enough to have a long vacation, so I actually had to work remotely. But um, unfortunately, I wasn't able to do any nice things and until just a few days ago. So mm, yeah. That's unfortunate. Yeah, we've all been sick. I've been sick as well. So it's been like a, a month of sickness, not a good one. In fact, I think in Britain, there is a thing called National Sick Day. And I think it's the, the exact day that I fell sick, in fact, and I had to tell work that I was sick. That was so funny. I don't know if you have something like that in in uh, in, no, in, in the Netherlands. No, I never heard of that. Uh, but uh, I think a lot of people will degrade after uh, like December or something. Like January and February are probably months where everybody gets settled from all the events, and then suddenly, uh, because of the relaxation the sickness can come up or something i don't know <laughs> it might, yeah it might be that you know a bit of oh relax and then you oh you get ill so it's the 5th of february today is dub, oh, sorry i'm just reading today's dub the 5th of february is dub national sicky day statistically mm. the day when most workers are likely to call in sick according to research and i was actually sick for the first day on the 5th of february how stereotypically stereotypical of me <laughs> beside the sickness did you manage to do anything else, guys? Uh, like, uh, did you play any games? Did you do anything particular? I didn't manage to play any games other than the one that I am bringing tonight. Uh, I mostly have been helping others play the game of the, <laughs> the year. Game, the <laughs> game of the year. Yeah. Helping others playing Baldur's Gate 3. Uh, but I am still not allowed to play it because it's full-time booked by my wife. So, but she needs help. She needs help with the with the rules and uh, with the tactics and things like that. So, uh, I've been exploring the rules. Let's say the wiki. I'm already familiar with the the rules of uh, like Dungeons and Dragons. I played that for years, and uh, this edition has been around for ten years already. But there's differences between the game and the, the tabletop rules. So uh, I actually had some fun checking out these little details and uh, trying to to help her and not only her. <laughs> and me. And me. Thank you very much. I'll talk about it in a few <laughs> yes. minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, my God. Yeah. yeah uh, just talk about it. <laughs> uh, well, 
my idea was like, I'm going to play with Diego with uh, on Baldur's Gate 3. So I'll buy it for now, but I know Diego is not going to touch it for a long time. So I thought, well, I can't really leave it there and don't play it until he plays it because otherwise um, it's going to be two years or something like that. So I started it and God forbid I started it. I could not put it down. And that it was, you know, it's been a problem. <laughs> it's been a problem. This game is something else, you know, it's that's just like so addictive that is I find it incredible that a game can be so addictive and um and so well made and uh I don't know. What, what does it make addictive? Because when I, don't I know, see it, footage of it it's just a lot of people talking to each other and I think it's a lot boring of looking combat, but <laughs> maybe it's just me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like for me it's a bit of everything. It's like a the variety of ways you can approach a situation is the is the most amazing thing I've ever seen. So you can do all sorts of things to solve a situation. You can be, you know, in a Dungeons and Dragons sort of way, you can be persuasive, you can intimidate, you have dialogue specific options for your race, for a mixed race, for, oh, it's just nuts, that stuff, there's so much. And then you can decide to battle, you can decide to talk, you can decide to, even if you battle, you have so many options within the battle that is absolutely crazy. You can, you know, battle normally, you can do stupid stuff, you can bring stuff in the battlefield, you can absolutely do anything, I would say anything you think of, but well, pretty much, you know, uh, there was a battle that I was in then, and I was like, okay, I can't win this battle, I can't win this battle, I tried it so many times. And then I just thought, oh, I can't win him. I'm just going to shove him down the chasm. And I just pushed this guy, which was very powerful, and I kept on killing me. And I just pushed him down a chasm. He died. And I thought, <laughs> what? You know, that's that was the first example. And I thought, holy moly. And then, like, every sort of uh, encounter that you have, you can, you have so many different ways to... Uh, to, to even approach. Yeah, that. yeah, to approach it. And, and you've... You can just be creative and think, oh, I want to do this. I put I put some barrels in front of this person. And then when he comes, he can't see me. So he can't teleport where I am. It's it's just all like that. It's just whatever your creativity can come up with. And it makes it so engaging. The writing is really good as well. The, uh, the voice acting is amazing. I mean, just everything of it is really, really amazing. Also, the character creation and uh, the skill assignment is so deep that, in fact, for me, it's a bit too deep. Uh, that's why Diego, I think, came to the rescue and tried to explain to me there's so many skills, so many spells, so many ways to go about all these things. You can put them as reactions. You can. There's so much stuff, and it's just a fun thing to try out. Oh, I'm going to try and do this. <laughs> and gonna... I think you're making Diego very jealous now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Have you, with all... Uh, tried this game yet or not uh it's, it's it sounds like a huge time sink uh, it, it is yeah. very much i don't know if i want to do that uh, i really like short and intense experiences and not yeah. uh, long uh yeah long uh, games which takes me like 40 hours or something i'm no, no, this is about so, 150, just to oh, finish yeah whatever yeah that's so that's what about the older the older ones have you ever played the old Baldur's Gate? I've never played. I think I ever started Baldur's Gate 2, but uh, I think that was the same story and a little mm. bit maybe too complex for my mind at that point. I thought maybe like, okay, this is not 
Diablo. Mm. <laughs> it looks yeah, a bit yeah. like Diablo. And I, when I was like, when was that release? I was like probably 13 or 12 or something. I was like, okay, this is not Diablo. No, <laughs> uh, no, it's very let's play something else. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I've I'm always not... been resistant to these sorts of games because they're very complicated, like you say. Hmm. And this time I just approached it and I said, oh, well, I'm going to just try and play the simplest thing that I can do, like a barbarian. I'm just going to go out and, and, and kill. And so I did. And I can, and you can do it really simply as well. You can just go uh, mess around, do whatever you want without getting into two complications. When you choose, just choose some stuff that you think is cool and then do what you can do. Uh, and still so engaging, so engaging this game. I'm just a bit, it's not fair. Yeah. It's not fair. Yeah, I'm not against uh, complicated games anymore, <laughs> but uh, you have to really invest uh, if you want to reach something in those games. And if you say 150 hours, then I'm definitely tuned out. I'm like, okay, this is too much for me. Well, I probably play 150 hours of Quake in, in a year, but uh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Just yeah. casually because, uh, yeah. Uh, well, I, ha but, I have to say that uh, even though I haven't tried the number three yet I have a good experience with the older or similar games like the first and the second in Baldur's Gate and then uh, played this Christmas I played halfway through Planescape Torment finally and I played others like uh, the Temple of Elemental Evil and such so I'm used to these kind of games I didn't usually think that uh, you have to really learn everything if you don't want to i think back in the days i just uh, played it played them through and probably i missed some quests and stuff like that because i didn't learn well enough all the options but uh, you could just play it anyway and mm, of course of then course. if you want to really get like 100 percent of the quests and everything of course then you probably need to start looking at like comparing the spells uh, or the weapons options and think also a little bit in mathematical terms and or probability for example because since there's there are random things in in these kind of games but um yeah i i would say that i don't think it's really mandatory to understand or learn and everything uh, but I think what i usually right. think it's maybe sorry what i usually think it's maybe one thing that can put a lot of people off is the turn-based combat hmm. uh, because yeah, but, uh, uh, I also played fa Fallout originals yeah which are turn-based and I really love those and uh, they can be uh, very complex as well but it's, at least you play like one character with it which helps I guess um, yeah uh, how about XCOM Guido have you ever tried XCOM I, I tried XCOM I, I liked the the battle system yeah but i i didn't really love the the base building stuff uh, in that game mm, okay uh, so that turned me off a bit you don't uh, have the base building in in Baldur's Gate it's just the com the like turn based stuff yeah but you have like the romancing and <laughs> talking a lot and stuff like that uh, which maybe i think okay maybe that's too much for me i don't know but a game like into the breach i don't know if you like that no no that's also a bit like XCOM. Uh, it's like a tactical RPG kind of ish. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, but it's really like 
you have three characters and like on a chessboard and you have like uh, three enemies and you have to be really tactical about it to defeat them and then you continue on and it's like five of those and then sort of it, it, it's like a really short uh, rogue-like kind of style of gameplay and it's really only really the, the combat and nothing else and for me that really works because I'm yeah then in five minutes I'm, I'm playing and I'm also in, 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 in an hour I have, my, I have my fix or something so that's more for me I guess I really like dense uh, gameplay so Oh, yeah. This is I think this is dense gameplay on Baldur's Gate three. If you want it to be dense, you can be as dense. You can't even move. Uh, it's just it's <laughs> really there's a lot of stuff here. It can be really packed, and you can go from a. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to stand here and praising it, but blinking egg, I, I really could not put it down. I was ill and I played it for so many hours in a row. It was just like insane. I've never played so long. And I could not stop playing it. And I just wanted to play more and more and more and discover more and see more weapons and more quests and more people. Just, oh. Yeah, okay. the problem when I start with, the, with those games, that's like into a, to, after 20 hours or something, I've, I see my backlog uh, hurting me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I see the backlog and I think, okay, all those games want to be played as well. <laughs> and I want to play those games as well. And now Baldur's Gate 3 is... Having me in these grips, <laughs> how can I ever live like this? <laughs> so uh, no, uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I have to stay far away from uh, experiences over like 25 hours or something. I can understand. I can understand. But uh, yeah, for me, I, I'd rather not play the other games and play something that's absolutely unique and wonderful. And you know, maybe all the other games you have planned are also incredible and unique and wonderful, but. For me, that list of wonderful, incredible games always narrows down to very few, to be honest. So I, sometimes I think, oh, well, I better sink. If I've got so little time, I'll sink my time in something that is really good and it's worth my time. And this is what I, it's my philosophy, at least. Beyond. You never want to play like a sort of trash game, like a B-tier uh, no, jank uh, game. No, no, <laughs> sometimes I really like that. <laughs> <laughs> For example, I bought like, Two days ago or something, I bought a Bell and Wonder World for Switch. What is that? <laughs> it's like, I think it has like a, a tree on Metacritic or something. <laughs> it's made by Yuzu Kashiro. Oh, no, um, what is that guy? From uh, who, who made uh, 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 Sonic. Um, ah, good, good question. Don't, don't put us on the spot because we'll just look really bad here on the podcast because we don't well, know. He, he got arrested for uh, money money laundering in Japan uh, oh, not long ago, and I think he's in jail now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's Yuji, Yuji Naka. <laughs> ah, I don't know. And uh, yeah, he uh, he created this. Is the last game he created, and he made it for Square Enix. Okay, and it was a really big flop. Uh, and everybody hated it, and I thought, and it I'll was buy like, it. Uh, we do. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, actually, there. What are you I, doing? I, 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 I know a lot of people who like the, the trash games and uh, and play stuff like that. There's always something in those games. There's also some some sort of. Most of the time, these games flop because they take risks. Uh, hey, and, yes, you're right. You're right. It's uh, true. And those risks are most of the time original ideas. So. 
that's why I mm. I like to play them because I want to see what they wanted to do or something and <laughs> they, how they like, failed miserably at doing it. <laughs> right? Yeah, it's <laughs> it's interesting, right? He's it's just sad. like you're a it's like a study. Is... It's like a like a sort of experiment. <laughs> you also have to play the bad games to appreciate the good games. That's uh, maybe a, a masochist and a sadist. <laughs> What have you been doing, Wido? Well, I have play, been playing a lot of games for this show, but also for outside of this uh, this show. Yeah. And one of those is uh, uh, the game called Lock. And that's actually a very interesting game because that game is made in uh, the game called Dreams. I don't know if you know that. So the game, game. is made in a game. What, what do you mean? Yeah, you have like uh, Dreams, that's something Media Molecule made for a PlayStation, Mm. uh, which is sort of game maker game. So a game where you can make games in. This is like like a game engine on PlayStation 4, but you can only make stuff within that game. So Wow. Uh, so can you make th- a, a game maker inside the game maker inside the game maker? Oh, maybe, game uh, maybe, maybe they they've done that. Uh, but it's really impressive what people make in dreams. And one of these games is Lock, and uh, it's like a puzzle room, escape room ish kind of game. And my wife and I were completely addicted to this game. It was like. We had like a notebook with us and mm. we, I think we made like, I think we had like 10 pages of notes in the end of this game. Wow, that's a lot of notes. Really, really complex puzzles uh, where you have to do a lot of outside of the box thinking and really weird stuff. It's, it's really amazing what the, this guy created. And I think it took us like, like 10 hours or something to, to get through this game and we're, our, our heads were blown like every hour and sometimes we were really stuck in this game because it's really a hard um, escape style kind of game escape room kind of game and then we just turned it off and then we had to sleep a night about it and then the day after it's like well maybe we can do this and we can uh, we we figured it all out and uh, it was really really nice to do this uh, together sounds like uh, Baldur's Gate <laughs> Yeah, but this is pure puzzling and really, well, I think it's similar as The Witness, which is like a... Yeah, I've heard about The Witness, yeah. Uh, I want to play that now as well. Uh, Yeah, it's uh, really good. And it's, yeah, so you have to buy Dreams and then you can play that game for free into Dreams. And I think even if you download the demo of Dreams on PlayStation, I think you can also play this game in, in the demo of Dreams. So uh, you can also play it for free. But I bought like a disc for Dreams for five euros. Gosh. Uh, yeah, okay, okay. And then uh, I could play this. And, there, and he also made another game, a newer game. And I heard that's called Daily Observer. And uh, I heard that's brilliant as well. He released that last year. But unfortunately, Dreams is like a dying service. Uh, a lot of people get fired by... Uh, Media Molecule, and uh, I think it's not that popular. And I hope we can play these games for long. But if the server die of dreams, then all these games will be lost. Well, there's a lot of nice stuff in there. So 
Yeah, that sounds cool. I was just going to say that uh, when you talk about this stuff, I think I always feel like I'm like uh, I'm caught in the mainstream of the games, really not in these indie titles as much as I should. I would. This is as indie as you can because it's inside the other game. It's crazy. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, if if you have dreams, I will heartily uh, recommend this game and. Yeah, it's one of the best games I've played uh, recent years. It's, it's really brilliant. Hmm. Uh, yeah. Another game I played uh, was Celeste 64, I... which is uh, like um, the the creators of Celeste made uh, like a sort of 3D version of their game for their six-year uh, anniversary of the game. And they gave just gave that away uh, to the community. And I really love that game, and it's free. You can just download it for free, and it's also open source. And when the creator of the game posted a message on uh, on Mastodon about uh, what uh, map maker they used, <laughs> I was directly uh, triggered because they made it in Trench Broom, which is what what I used to create Quake levels in. Oh right, it's the same. That's cool. It, so you're, you're good at it. It's like the Quake uh, level editor they used for that game. And I thought, okay, well, that uh, I already can uh, can make uh, maps probably in this game. And I checked it out and I was like creating in maybe in an hour or something. I, I could already create a level in, uh, in uh, Celeste 64. And now I'm making a full-blown fan game for... That's cool. That's and, yeah, and they made that game in like a week, and I'm trying to make this map in a week. So uh, it's like uh, it's all I'm doing <laughs> the last week. And I'm like crunching uh, and making a making a like sort of I think one hour experience in this game. And uh, yeah, uh, I'm hoping to be the first uh, releasing a, a a fan mod for this uh, for this game. Which is usually really popular game, so I hope to get some ground. And I made a sign of new game old flame Yay. in the game. <laughs> thank you, thank you. So uh, maybe uh, people will search for that as well. That'd be amazing, though. That. But I always thought that. Well, I didn't always think. I just thought, in during this period, when you told me about this, like I thought it would make sense for you to be making games because you play so many of them. You know so many games that oh maybe it just makes it's a natural step forward to you instead of being a, a messenger on a bike and you know open you a game studio or or contri contribute to some games or something that'd be amazing. That, that would be nice, but um, you also have to because I play so many games. I also really critical of games, and probably when I'm going to create something, I'm never happy with the result <laughs> because it's probably worse than their peers and then i uh, think okay this is trash uh, so i'm uh, yeah a bit too uncertain <laughs> i think about my work but hopefully this gains some ground maybe people like it and then uh, maybe i'll get some confidence boost to <laughs> make something of my own yeah maybe. that'd be amazing wouldn't it it's 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 made in a week so don't expect much it's pretty rough around the edges but uh, I can probably do more if I take more time but then I probably also get burnt out by it so I also want to get it out of the door as soon as possible to 
sort of not get stuck in development hell. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't don't get burned out. It's never a good. It's never a good place to be. Okay. So, well. Yeah. Anything else to add, guys? Not for me. Mm, okay. So we should get back on track and get on to the main topic of this episode, which is more games again. Here we go. This week I have been playing the latest game from Protovision, which is called Yeti Mountain. Woohoo! Yeah, so, yeah, that was a very anticipated title, wasn't it? Yeah, quite a bit, I would say. This is uh, primarily made by Russell Mills and as well as others. And I think it's presented as a sort of uh, tribute to Ski Free. And uh, what is striking about this new game by Protovision is that it is a very unique hybrid between an RPG uh, skiing game and a platform. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I, I like It's this, a I very, <laughs> very unusual combination, I, I yeah, would say. Yeah. And chess. So, Why not chess as well? <laughs> maybe that would have been also a nice addition. <laughs> so that was intrigued me most about this game as soon as I heard it and it's a protovision so that's also uh, it also means a professionally made game essentially and uh, I think that we've seen uh, that that protovision always delivers very very high quality games for uh, Commodore 64 of course so what about the game well first of all there's a little bit of a backstory the whole story, the whole game is divided into three acts. And uh, the backstory of these acts is that there has been mysterious disappearances of skiers at this place, which is called or known as the Yeti Mountain. So there's a legend of a certain monster that's called the Mehteh, the Mehteh. living in this uh, yeah. place. You have to see if it's true or, or just a legend. And uh, you, are, you are there because primarily you want to investigate the disappearance of your friend Chris, the latest of the skiers who disappeared. So the game starts off in Act 1 as already a mix of uh, RPG and skiing sections. Yeah. As um, so as part of the RPG, you essentially have to go around a map of the skiing resort, talk to people, there's characters. Some of them are kind of red herrings, not important, but others, of course, are. And by talking to people and visiting different locations, you'll find objects here and there, you unlock stuff. Your general aim is uh, in this first act to collect three clues about the whole case of the skier's disappearance. And once you have all the clues, you can go and sort of interview a primary suspect. And uh, then this will eventually lead to the second act. Okay, uh, that sounds cool. That sounds, it's like a bit like Cluedo, it reminds me of. Yeah, well, let's say that uh, I don't, first of all, Cluedo is a randomized game. So I, I did play this game a few times. I think the story is not randomized. It's 
always the same thing. But I'm not exactly sure because characters are moving around a little bit. Uh, but I think that more or less what I had to do in all these instances that I tried at different times was basically the same thing. So you go around this area, you have about a dozen locales to explore, such as a bar, an, an information point, the ski lift, the ski shop, staff cabin, lots of places. You also have to explore the places between these, like going off track, like among the trees in the snow, there are oh, hidden stuff okay. there. So you have to wander around a little bit to really solve the first act. That's interesting. Okay, so is, is the placement of these clues randomized or is it always in the same place? As I say, I'm not 100% sure, but I think they are in the same place. Okay. So I restarted the game probably three times and I'm not exactly sure because I already forgotten a little bit, but uh, I, I think that I found the, the items in the same place. I, there's a specific area which... Uh, the, that might not be true, but eventually it's not that critical in my opinion. Mm, okay. Yeah, no, it was just more a curiosity mm. or if they did a random placement or not. So. Mm. Okay, so in the meantime, while you investigate, you eventually also unlock the chance to try these three skiing courses. How how do you unlock those? It's all part of the of the usual process between talking to people to specific people which give you either an item or um, they say something that eventually unlocks something else with some other okay. people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and uh, among of the things that gets unlocked, it's also the possibility to ski. I'm not going too much into the details to, to spoil it, although I have to say the whole investigation part, it's not really hard. So eventually everyone will get it. But uh, let's say that in order to ski, at the very least, you need equipment. You don't have it. So first you have to find a way to unlock the equipment. And then you, you can get to the first course, which is basically the downhill skiing course. And uh, you need to beat each and every one of these courses eventually. How is that tied into the story? It sounds weird. <laughs> uh, it, it is tied into the story. Like, uh, wow. there are ca characters that uh, will be impressed if you win the first course, and then they will basically give you admittance to the second course, wow. which is a more proper, um, uh, let's say, competition. It's a slalom competition, the second one. So you need to get invited into that. And then the last course is made of jumps and rails and you have to perform tricks and you need some special equipment. So you also need to find a way how to get the equipment. And I think you pretty much need to do these courses in order. Not, yeah, I, I think there's not a way to like unlock the second or the third before you have done the previous two. Uh, but eventually you need to beat them all to, to get to the second act. So I have a small doubt whether the story is strictly linear or there is something that can be done in a different order. 
I was going to ask, is there a sort of economy here? How do you get, how do you buy the equipment? How you said you unlock it, but how? No, there's no, there's no economy as such. You don't have money, but uh, you acquire the equipment always in, in that way after talking to certain people ah, okay. or so finding no, certain okay. items no shop by or stuff. Okay. No, there is a ski shop, but you actually, if you try to go there too early, they tell you that, uh, well, you need to buy equipment. They don't do charity, but you can't buy the equipment. You don't have money to buy the equipment. But eventually, someone in the game will give you a voucher to get the the equipment, at least okay. for rent. Yeah, okay, okay. Makes Something sense. like that. Mm. Um, so in this part, of course, in the RPG part, there is uh, no real uh, threat, no risk of death. <clears throat> uh, but you have 60 minutes to finish this act. Um, oh, so it's a it, timer, okay. It's a timed adventure. I, I have to say, at first, it immediately gave me some sort of anxiety. Not because mm. one hour is uh, a little time. It's a lot of time. But because I just didn't know how much time I was supposed to spend, and uh, uh, so I, I was afraid that what if it takes me fifty something minutes to to solve this, and then uh, I have to rush, and I don't get there in time. But eventually, by playing, I realized that the time is plenty for the RPG part. Literally, once you know it. If you replay the game, you could do the RPG part in five minutes or maybe ten minutes. Mm. Mm. It's just a uh, sequence of things you have to do, probably. Yes, and even at the first time, I probably spent less than half of that hour finding everything. But the timer is there for another uh, purpose. It's when you do the the skiing tracks. Uh, well. These things work so that in order to beat one of the challenge, you have to, first of all, reach the end within a certain time limit. So you can't be too slow. Second, you also need not to fall too many times. So you have a sort of health bar. Every time you hit something, <laughs> you fall. And when you have hit too many things, you are basically transported to the emergency room and you lose five minutes. You lose five whole minutes of the timer. So what the timer really does, other than putting some pressure to you, of course, all the time because it's there and you see it going down, uh, it's not really limit your uh, ability to solve the RPG part, but it basically works as a sort of life counters mm. for the skiing events. Mm. <clears throat> like if it costs five minutes, obviously if you fail 10 times, now you really don't have enough time left to finish the first act. It's a sort well, of, uh, it's a sort of uh, life, number of life limitation really. And what happens when it goes to zero? When it goes to zero, you lose. You have it's to just start like game again. Over. It's game over. However, um, 
I've I've been testing different versions of the of this game thanks to the some complimentary copies that we received from Protovision specifically to make the review. So I noticed that uh, after some early version they added a reset option. So there's one place in this area which is your own cabin where you can check your laptop for the clues you've already found. You can save the game, you can load the game. And you can also reset the timer. And right. resetting the timer makes you lose all the RPG achievements, but not the skiing achievements, which are really mm. the ones that cost time. So if you get too low and you are thinking, oh, no, I was so close, you can go to your cabin, get to the laptop, Reset, then you restart all all these uh, talking with the characters. But uh, whatever you've achieved on the skis will stay. It still very, sounds a little bit tedious, option. though. <laughs> yeah, but I, I have to say, well, I'll comment later on the difficulty, but um, it, it's... Um, well, I think it's a very good addition, this reset option, honestly. I didn't have to use it, but... Also because I didn't mind just reloading everything a couple of times. Um, right, so uh, about the skiing event, um, I mentioned that you have two purposes. That's for the first, first event only, the downhill. So you basically have to avoid a lot of obstacles like other skiers. Uh, there's trees. There, there's uh, logs of, of wood or rocks or something like that. You can actually jump over the smaller obstacles, but otherwise you have to avoid the rest. Uh, but in the other events, things get more complicated. So the slalom event has gates, these little flags you have to pass through the gate. So you also must hit a, a certain minimum number of gates if you don't. If you miss too many, you also lose and have to repeat the challenge again. And can you repeat the challenge how many times you want? You can, as long as you have time left on your timer. Okay. Okay. And, yeah. uh, Makes sense. And I think also um, that every time you have to repeat a challenge that you failed, you get a small increase on the time limit, so you can relax a bit and finish even uh, in a, a little longer time. Although there's, there's a maximum that you get. Um, no, it, it doesn't increase uh, forever, every time you try. At some point, it doesn't increase anymore. And, uh, and the third event is the most fun, but of course also the most difficult. So in, in that event, you have many jumps that, and that you can go into and as you are jumping mid-air mid you can do some combination with the joystick and to perform some tricks like a somersault or spinning around there's a manual that comes with the game and it it tells you what are the the combinations you don't have to discover them yourself is it difficult uh, well, i can tell you later about the difficulty but, okay uh, uh, it's not easy, but it's also not incredibly difficult. So with this last event, you also ha must collect enough points from these tricks 
to pass the event. Okay, I'll move on to Act 2. Now, yeah. after, after you finish all this, uh, you finally find the entrance to some underground complex that maybe might be the Yeti lair. You don't know it yet. And uh, this, is, um, this is where the game turns into a proper platform, classic platform game. <laughs> it's so crazy. you have yeah, it sounds uh, really good though doesn't it I, I really like the idea of having like all this they put everything yeah. in there <laughs> <laughs> so here you have different areas um, there's a first area well as a matter of fact you start in a sort of little office space underground and you find out that it's your friend Chris who was investigating the disappearance of others so he's, he left some instructions there and um, then you move through different areas. There is this first area, it looks like uh, mostly stone blocks and columns and statues, as if it's some kind of ancient place that now it's buried underground. And uh, it's full of uh, dangers, critters like spiders, bats, and strange blobs that shoot bubbles. <laughs> then you move into a other areas, there's a more natural areas with trees and plants, and it gets its own critters. Like, Can you fight with those critters? Or? You or cannot fight, really, with these critters. You, you have to, you avoid, have to them. avoid them, yes. Mm. Some of them are stationary, but they shoot you, uh, like the blobs, or uh, there are some flowers or plants that shoots you in the natural area. Um, other, they follow you. Other, they mostly just walk back and forth and maybe they just rush a little bit towards you if you are on the same level. Uh, probably the most difficult ones are the flying ones that also follow you. Those are very, very pesky. Then there's, there's a third area that looks like a dungeon. There's also... There's lots of skeletons there and <laughs> skulls and things like that and chains and uh, and there is a cameo of a monster that um, maybe I won't tell you, but when you see it, you'll recognize it's from a very, very famous old Taito game of the 80s. Ah, yeah, yeah. I've seen that with you. Yeah, I remember. And I think the last area is made of volcanoes, so there's... um lava and strange monsters also as well. So all these areas have critters, they have some stationary dangers like spike pits or lava pits that you shouldn't fall into. And you have an energy, an energy bar. So here the idea is that, well, you just need not to get too much damage. If you die, you don't really die, you go back to the beginning of this whole underground complex and you lose those five minutes because also in this act two you have 60 minutes to finish it so, so again is it, is it 60 minutes per act it's 60 minutes per act uh, yes i must warn you that sadly i didn't make it to act three because act two was a bit too difficult for me so i know what's in act three because the manual mentions it but um I don't know the details, uh, but there is also a timer on Act 3, for sure. 
okay. So at the at this point, yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> Act Two proved a little bit too hard, harder Was it than hard I thought. Because of the timer, or because of the health issue. <laughs> uh, well, like. the timer is um, essentially sixty minutes. Let's say it. It basically means you have ten lives or eleven lives, something mm. like that. So it also takes time to go through all all the platforms and the areas because uh, you are going back and forth. Uh, I haven't told you yet, but the game has a minor gated exploration uh, side. <laughs> in the we sense, uh, this is that, on Windows uh, backlog now. <laughs> yes, <laughs> in the in the sense that. Um, well, some things are very minor, like there might be a liver on this on one place, a pressure plate on another place that opens door, but that's not yet gated exploration properly. But within this underground area, you you can find some runes like on the wall that are gonna give you some extra skills. Mm. For example, the first one you find it immediately and gives you a high jump skill. So after the first few platforms, you can already jump much higher. Then another, all of this is in the manual, so it won't be a huge surprise. If you read the manual, you know what to expect. There's another rune that gives you an ability to slide down from walls. Another that gives you double jump. And the last one will give you this uh, special movement called air dash. Is mm-hmm. that makes you like um, when you are mid air, it makes you swiftly move in one direction horizontally, and it's also supposed to work as an attack. But uh, I have to say, when I tried it um, uh, with the critters, it didn't really work. I don't know if it works only on some critters, but I suspect there might be a sort of big bad evil guy at the end of Act Two, and you're gonna have to use it against that guy so um, because of these there are areas you can't reach at first uh, especially because I think the the biggest threat in this whole platform part is actually falling from too high because the critters take some health away from you but you can withstand several critters before dying but if you fall you you can die immediately if you fall from too high. So even be- with the double jump. Sorry. Even if, with the double jump. The, yeah, because-, because the double jump is essentially only upwards. So there are areas where the, there's a big gap you can't reach until you have the double jump. Mm. For example, yes. Ah, okay. Yeah. But there are also areas where you do have to go downwards. And the only way is getting the wall sliding skill. So you jump, then grab the wall and slide down slowly. Mm. Well, so sounds I, like a proper uh, <laughs> gated exploration game. Yeah, I, I thought the same thing because uh, you are going back and forth the same areas multiple times. And Do you also have a map? No, at least I didn't find it. You do have a map in the first act. Of, of the skiing resort. Mm. Uh, you can find it. It's not um, mandatory to find it, but uh, when you find it, it nicely shows the whole 
place and where you are so you can you can easily navigate it so i wonder if there might be a map to find also in in this act 2 but i haven't found it and that would be really useful because i got lost uh, a few times i i didn't properly manage to memorize all all these areas interesting all right, so I, I briefly mentioned Act 3 because unfortunately I haven't played it yet. But uh, in Act 3, uh, I think that you get out of, of this underground complex and suddenly there's an avalanche and once again you're back on the skis and you actually have to ski like while you are being followed by, ava- by the avalanche. So that all sounds cool. Like a bit I like really want to get to that point, yeah. certainly. Unfortunately, didn't make it in time for, for the episode. But it really sounds great. And then you have, a certain, uh, you have a certain time to reach to the bottom. If you're very fast, you can outrun the avalanche. If you're too slow, it's going to get you. And uh, there are still platform parts and maybe also RPG parts in this Act 3 to go through where you See, finally solve the case. S- you have to also do some casual puzzle solving to restore uh, the power back to the, In the emergency warning stations. Yeah, yeah, so, there might be some uh, minor puzzling also here, and uh, and oh, again, there's platform. Uh, yeah, yes, it's certainly it's like three games, three games, or maybe four games in one, which is weird, but uh, yeah, definitely uh, fun. Yeah, definitely a, a very, very cool combination of ideas. You know what so, comes to mind with this? Uh, it reminds me a bit like listening to you. It reminds me a bit like Full Quiet. Just like uh, yeah. lots of different genres put together. Yeah. I can see that. I can see, uh, yeah, also like the mysterious stuff. And yeah, I don't know. Mm. But yeah, of course, this also has skiing and like top-down sections yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 it's it's weird but uh yeah if it works it works do you think uh, everything is the same quality what you played or is there stuff which is better than other stuff only in playability i have to say i had different feelings but uh, as um i mean uh, from the technical point of view everything is a uh, very high quality in my opinion so all the graphics are very nice, although maybe the main character is a little bit too monochromatic for, for my taste, but the backgrounds are great, uh, the maps, uh, the layouts of the places are nice, uh, the skiing looks looks great, and uh, also the sound is pretty good, there's many, plenty of small tunes in different locations. Even, even when you talk to, to other characters, Probably not all of them, but some of them get their own slightly different tune in the background. And um, it, it te- from a technical point of view, it's a very, very good game. Maybe my only reservation is about mm, some playability element. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. and uh, I can summarize with one word, inertia. Okay, so in each different stage of this game, RPG, skiing, platform, there's always this inertia of your character. And um, 
in the skiing parts, I think it's perfect because it it feels good. It really gave me the a realistic feeling of you know sliding off with the skis when you take a curve, like a, as it really happens when you ski. You turn one way, but your skis also want to slide off the other way a little bit. So it it did feel realistic in the skiing, but in the RPG part, I, I, I didn't see any value in having inertia when you walk on a map. It was a little bit annoying, not too much. Uh, it was just slowing me down a little bit and making me nervous considering at, at the beginning I thought that the time limit could be critical. So, And in the platform side, uh, sometimes I really hated that inertia. It made me fail so many jumps. You, you always make you feel you have to jump a little bit in advance. Mm, yeah, I remember I was there with you. Yeah, I remember some of the jumps were like really trivial. Uh, not, not too difficult to do, but because of the inertia, you used to fall down all the time. Mm. Yeah, if, if it was me, I, I would have not had any inertia in the platform side and also in the RPG, but there at least it doesn't make you die if 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 you don't time your jumping so it's a little it's a little annoying and it's my only real gripe with the game but uh, well not exactly a minor gripe to be honest so it, it also gave me a feeling that um hmm, maybe everything is a, a little bit more difficult than it should be and i was wondering uh, was it made on purpose just to make the game last longer so that you feel like it's more there's more value in a longer game i don't know uh, i i certainly wouldn't want a game to be too easy yeah and for sure, um, yeah. Uh, but i can also imagine someone starts with the rpg part and maybe you like the rpg part and then you get to the more arcade parts and uh you can't advance even in the story because uh, you're not good with the joystick. <laughs> yeah. It's not your kind of game. And and um, it can be like a disappointment for some people. And um, it did feel irritating, this feeling that maybe the difficulty was artificially increased. For example, the skiing. I love the skiing. I love the skiing part. And... Uh, I think it would be also nice to have a spin-off game of this with just the skiing and more mm, more cool, skiing yeah. tracks because it, it's just very good. At first, I had a really hard time uh, winning even the first one. I had to try many, many times, like 10 times or something like that. I almost finished the time just trying. And then again with the second. And uh, but But I remember when I replayed the whole game i easily won in one or two tries so it it's definitely just a matter of getting used to it yeah you get better but, yeah mm, but it does feel like for example there is too many obstacles in these skiing tracks you you don't have the time to react quickly because it's like the screen is not big enough and you are going fast all right, the manual even says at some point, it, it suggests, don't ski straight down. <laughs> T 
try to go left and right so that mm-hmm. you have time to win even if you don't go straight down. So try to navigate a little bit. And that's a good tip because otherwise, really, you don't have time to see what's coming in front of you. You're going straight into a, a, a grove of tree or uh, there are other skiers going all around the, the, the track. And you're going to miss all the all the jumps, all the slalom gates. But uh, also, there's a lot of these obstacles. And uh, uh, the the first time I I was just falling all the time, just hitting everything all the time. So it took a while to learn the controls. And um, I remember that even at, at some point I was so frustrated by not being able to see those slalom gates until it was too late and they were unreachable at some point it was just more convenient for me to just take the ski off which you can do by pressing the button walk back and walk into the gate on foot and then put the ski Mm. on again (laughs) and continue because i was getting so mad at missing them by just a little bit but there is really no time and the visual clues that you get to some of these, like the jumps have this uh, little ski marks before them, but it's it's still not enough to get them in real time. And I certainly didn't like the idea of trying to memorize the location of all of these because it's not fun to memorize uh, all this position of objects on a, on the track. But, um, well, so maybe I have half a, half a gripe with this um, being a little bit too difficult. But if there's only one thing that I would really like to change is uh, to remove this inertia in the platform levels, because that's really driving me nuts at times. Mm, or maybe make it a bit, bit less uh, prominent. I don't know. Just mm-hmm. a little bit. Yeah. yeah yes. Wow! What Otherwise, a game. thumb up, thumb up. So for certainly, for certain, because uh, the game is uh, is a a very nice original uh, combo of many things. It's a ha, ha, kind of also has a funny story overall, int- intriguing enough, and, and also uh, an original setting like that ski resort. Yeah, it's not something you see often. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Sounds and nice. overall, of course, it's a. Uh, of vision quality so everything is well done yeah so yeah. Very, very recommended yeah i was witnessed uh, a couple of your levels that you were playing and it looked it looked quite quite nice and um yeah as, as we were saying they're quite original and different so be a props for the ideas as if anything else and i did like the graphics from what i saw so it was nice as well for that um is there anything to say about the music and the sound effects? They, I, I think they are uh, very much uh, Commodore 64 typical effects. But as I said, I like the fact that you get many tunes in in this game, even for this little, very short, uh, could I say, cutscenes. When you talk with someone in the bar, it might mm. get its own little tune instead yeah. of the standard ones. So very nice touches. Nice, nice. I like it. I need to try this as well at some point. I do hope I get the time. 
first you have to co- you have to beat uh, Baldur's Gate. Uh. Yeah, that's going to take like five years, but uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, time, time. Where is it all going? Rido, what have you been playing? Anything good? Well, uh, I've been playing been playing the game called Katsu. I don't know if you know what that is. Katsu. Katsu. Katsu is. <laughs> the, uh, I, I searched for that name because it's such a, such a, such a weird uh, name. Apparently, it's some sort of plant, which is really a, an invasive species. So I think it's originated from Japan or from China. Is it a knotweed it, that we have in England? Uh, it could be. It could be. Mm. Um, the game is about that plant basically okay. taking over the world, which is very interesting concept, I think. <laughs> uh, maybe the, the creators have a little bit of gripe with <laughs> with that plant. Maybe they have it in their garden <laughs> or something. I don't know. It's very but, famous, uh, in yeah. this game, you play as a gardener as well. One day, the gardener is uh, he's a, a apprentice gardener and his uh, mentor. Is suddenly uh, gone. He uh, went out uh, to uh, research the, the the katsu field, where all the katsu grows, and he suddenly disappeared. And it's your uh, your goal as uh, Max, the gardener, to find your mentor and see what happens with the world, uh, the overtaken world by uh, by the plant. Very interesting story. I really uh, really like this uh, concept. And that's why I backed this uh, on Kickstarter a-, a while ago. Yeah, it, it looks, it's for the original Game Boy. And it therefore looks really like Zelda uh, uh, Link's Awakening, one of my favorite games ever. And it's definitely probably also inspired by that game because it's also the same game type. So I say between down. you and Diego, you don't really move uh, much uh, from your platforms. Uh, mine is always C64, you're always Game Boy. <laughs> Actually, I think this is the first original Game Boy I, game I bring. Really? Because ah. uh, most of the time games are for the Game Boy Color because that has a little bit more processing power. So I think it's easier to develop for. And the original Game Boy is, of course, uh, yeah, a bit lower powered. I think it's the half of the processing speed of the Game Boy Color. Oh, I didn't know that. And What's the Game no Boy color? Advance in, in comparison? Yeah, that's that's a 64-bit machine. Oh my god! <laughs> I, th- yeah. I think it's a, it's a great crazy uh, more than that. It's even better than the Super Nintendo, uh, if you even can compare those kind of things. But uh, yeah, mm. it's uh, way more capable. So yeah, uh, I backed this on Kickstarter uh, for a physical edition. It was kind of a hassle, to be honest, because I didn't get the <laughs> credit card anymore and uh, there was a lot of shipping fees. And uh, Actually, this game is brought out by Megacat Studios. Oh, yeah. So uh, they published it and it's made by Pie for Breakfast Studios. And so they're also making a modern, I think it's also a gated exploration platformer, uh, based on the Little Nemo license. Oh, okay. Is that something they can do? I think that's in, uh, okay, like the free. Uh, how do you call that? Like uh, Mickey Mouse is also uh, recently. Oh, you think the license has expired or something? Yeah, something like, something like that. 
So uh, they sort of famous of, for making that already. But uh, this is sort of side project, I think. So it looked very interesting to me because it's everything I like, Game Boy, Zelda, like game. Gated exploration. Of course, yeah. Completed, 100%. <laughs> <laughs> mm. So I thought back it and uh, let's see. So I received uh, like a physical copy uh, together with uh, a ROM and uh, directly got playing with it on uh, my analog pocket. And at the same time, uh, Calm Like a Bob-Bomb, uh, one of our listeners, also started playing it. And I, he was sort of foreshadowing some complaints about the game. <laughs> so <laughs> I was like, okay, maybe be careful uh, to lower my expectations. Yeah, it starts off very, very nice, uh, nice music. You go through the world, top down, investigate, uh, talk to all the villagers in your town, uh, ask about maybe where the whereabouts of your mentor, uh, research his home, uh, just look around. Uh, yeah, very basic uh, conversations. And then you uh, wander off uh, into the Kutso fields. Fields of the wood. Yeah, uh, but first you had to find uh, a machete, of course, to get into it. And so you can uh, remove some uh, plants with the machete and it's also your base uh, attack, uh, your base weapon to kill all the critters uh, around. Hmm. Uh, for example, there are snakes and uh, kind of bugs uh, walking around and they're also all infest uh, infected by the kutsu plant and that's why they're very hostile and attacking you. So it's like it's like a flip screen, this one, isn't it? So yes, go, yes, 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 yes. Yeah, very, it's very... Uh, similar as uh, Link's Awakening, which is a good thing. One thing which is immediately clear when you play this game, it has nice music, but barely any sound effects. Really? So oh. If you attack or uh, do anything, actually, there's no sound effects, which is a bit odd, I think, because you, yeah, it's like, it feels a little bit broken. <laughs> Oh, uh, I see, I see. You only hear a jingle when you pick something up. Do you up. think is that for a limitation or is it just a design choice? I think it's sort of both because, of course, uh, Link's Awakening did music and sound, mm. but they made this in the GB Studio and I think maybe it's a limitation of the GB Studio that you can't do this. I don't know for sure, but... I played other GB studios who did music, which did music and sounds. So I don't know. At this point, I already started feeling, okay, maybe this shouldn't be a commercial project because mm, uh, yeah. this already is a little bit of janky. But oh well, I I had fun at this point. So uh, just continue on. And, uh, it looks good. I must admit, the graphics looks good. The graphics are good. The, the pixel art is great. Yeah, uh, this, the music is also great. The story I said is really nice, and uh, the progression and the the level design also feels very good. Uh, there's like simple Soko Bond style puzzles. You have to push stuff away to get uh, further in the in the game, and uh, and of course there's combat, which also isn't the greatest, unfortunately. No, <laughs> I don't. Uh, yeah, the when you 
like the hit detection is a little bit off when you want to hit an enemy. Sometimes you hit it and sometimes you don't and sometimes it hits you and it gets, there's a lot of like, uh, when they hit you, there's like a sort of, they bump you back, like a sort of, and yeah, also you get sort of stun locked. So you get sort of locked into place and sometimes like enemies team up onto you and you can't do anything. You just die. Is, so, it, is it simple real time? Uh, the the combat is real time. So also that is a little bit janky. It's not the greatest the combat. So it's not as polished as you'd want it to be like a pro, like a finished product, like a yeah, commercial. Especially because I paid like maybe 30 euros or something to get the cartridge only, which I felt, okay, maybe it's not that. Yeah, I don't know. It, mm. it, it feels like a, a fan project, but not really a professional project. Oh, that's another, unfortunate. Another thing is when you pass the game, and you unpause it, the whole room resets. So the like all the enemy locations are back when where they started. Uh yeah, I don't like I don't like that in, in any video game. So mm. yeah, at one point I, I uh, abused that system because <laughs> I just could uh look where the enemy started and then I walked to next to that the position of that location and then I pressed pause and unpassed again and then I could hit him because I was standing suddenly standing next to the enemy. So oh. <laughs> there's, yes. there's a lot of there's a lot of issues like that. Also when there's a lot of things on the screen, there's a lot of slowdown. Of course. The, the yeah. menuing is very slow. Really weirdly when you are in the menu when you press start. Uh, it isn't responsive. Well, I have to ask, was this the final product that you got or was it like a beta release? It, it's it's like flashed onto onto the cartridge. It's, it's the Kickstarter edition. It's mm-hmm. like version 1.0. And mm. um, apart from that, I found more glitches. Um, there's an area where you have to uh, destroy Kutsu roots. And there's like three of those roots uh, and you have to solve all kind of puzzle screens to get to those roots. And when you uh, are at that route, you can kill it and then you can go to the next route and you have to do three or four of those and then you can open a door. But if you just spam attack on one of those kutsu roots, then it gets counted uh, multiple times. So what you can do is just, just go to one of those puzzle rooms, spam uh, attack on that kutsu root. And then you open the door and you can just skip all the three others. And I, I, note, I noted that to the creator of the game and he said, oh, you found the speedrun tactic. So I thought, okay. Speedrun. <laughs> I, I, I would call it a glitch, but... Uh, yeah, yes. all these sound like technical issues, really, not, not uh, problems with the game design itself, but uh, just perhaps with a rush development or something. Did they have some maybe some obligations to deliver in a certain time or what do you think? I, I think because of the Kickstarter, there's always a date of uh, when when there's a release date on the Kickstarter. And I think he just wanted to get out of it out of the door at that date. Mm. Well, well a there's pity. a lot of Kickstarters which takes years after the delivery mm. date and because they're just not finished yet. So yeah, it's of course a choice to either rush it 
an unfinished product and it's really unfortunate because you can't update this game yeah yeah if it was just a rom distribution uh, or a downloadable game or something like that of course you can just play that early version and then expect an update Right. At some yeah, point, and then maybe the updated version gets to onto the cartridge. Mm. Uh, they, they, this is tar- uh, by the way not all the issues <laughs> I had, to, uh, but the rest for me were minor. There, there was, for example, a boss which exists of four sprites, uh, like one big boss which exists of four sprites, but they weren't synchronized. So one sprite oh. was. Lacking. What? No, that's so, insane, no. Uh, yeah, <laughs> there was, yeah, so that looked really God. odd. But then, somewhere in the end of the game, I bought an item in the shop and it outright didn't work. Fortunately, I didn't need it to beat it game, the game, but uh, it was like an optional item. But what come like a bomb had was like an hour into the game, there was like an, an item he wanted to use and it just didn't work and he couldn't progress the game anymore he walked around the, the game all the time to find any progression but his game was just bugged and i i talked to uh the creator because yeah i of course don't want to trash his game <laughs> on this show so i've said okay i really want to talk to you uh, about this uh do you know about these issues? And uh, and I had to talk with him, and he said uh, he's fixing all these issues. Yeah, but you've bought it now, so this is one of those things that you know Gumpy Function was talking about. You know, you you're a commercial product, and here you're getting something that's glitched, and and sometimes you like can't like a bomb can't can't really finish the game, which is a bit uh, you know right and not the greatest. Um, <laughs> uh, he said, uh, yeah, he's. Uh, fixing the bugs and the the future production of the the games will feature that 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 new version and you can also download the new rom of course and maybe i have a card flasher so maybe i can even flash that on my cartridge but of course a lot of people don't mm-hmm. have that well but uh, uh, okay. <laughs> any redeeming qualities <laughs> as you say honestly <laughs> i did like the game <laughs> okay there is a lot of problems. There's there there's many problems with this game uh, on technical level. But what I said, the the game, the, the the design of the game, like the 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 structure of the game, the the level design of the game, and the story is really nice. There's a lot of nice things in this game, and I I think it took me like three hours to beat this game. You beat it. Okay. In the end, I thought, what a weird ending. This this isn't right. And then I thought there was an area on the on the game which I never been. So I mm. went back to my save file, play, uh, um, investigated more, and found an additional item, so I could get into that other dungeon where, where I never went. Yeah, I unlocked the the good ending. Which is really cool that there's like an optional good, a bad and good ending. Uh, so it took me another hour. That final dungeon was really good as well, and it took me about four hours to 
get the good ending. All right, yeah. There's there's a lot of problems with this game, but I liked it. <laughs> so, so, so what do, uh, what would you tell people who who want to buy this game? Would you wait? Yeah, I don't know. What, I tell I, them I hope I really hope that uh, that new version will fix many of the issues. He said like that the creator of this game said, okay, uh, many of these issues I found uh, the solutions for, and he fixed it. However, the the bug come like a bomb pad he couldn't find so he couldn't fix it yet he couldn't replicate the bug yeah so maybe that's still in there and then you just have to start over i guess and try again which is, is it, quite annoying is it too bad to say maybe wait till all the issues have been solved and then buy the cartridge after <laughs> i don't know Seems yeah, he like, said that hmm. the, the, he was working with uh, MegaCat Studio, that uh, and they are really helpful. He said to make the game better <laughs> and uh, and uh, release a maybe more polished version of this game. Uh, I re- I really hope that he can fix the issues. Of course, the the probably the janky combat will be probably in there, uh, but it's okay. You can live with that. Of course, the music and the sound effects will be the same, but like the the, the game breaking bugs, they shouldn't be in there. I I think I've, I hope he fixed ninety percent of of those at least. And uh, maybe I can check now to see if there's already an update. Yeah, this I is bleeding edge. It. Yeah, Let's I see. haven't seen it. Let's see if they've corrected some I, bugs. I really don't know when uh, when that uh, new version will be coming out, but I, I would definitely wait for for news of a new version because for now, yeah, it's just not fun to have game-breaking bugs. I would say not, you know? That's the thing. Uh, Maybe I, I, I feel, testing. he said it's, it's very rare to have that bug, come like a bomb head, but yeah, he had it and... There were more people who were reported that bug, so how rare could it really be? <laughs> I would be cautious. And if there's an update, I, I think I can recommend this game. I, I would buy the ROM though. I, f- I think don't buy this f- this cartridge physical because... Yeah, because of the bugs that you said and uh, the janky combat and all the stuff, that's, it needs to be fixed, I think. you know. I mean, I know you said... You can live with the janky combat, but you know, bug uh, game breaking bugs maybe not. And I and I do agree with that statement. I mean, uh, you need because a bit I, more I, testing. I, I had a ton of fun with this game. That's, yeah, yeah. That's, that's the weird thing. It's it's, it's well designed game, but technical level, it's just not up to snuff. And yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Or is that the right expression? Yeah, to... I think so. I think it is. I think it is. <laughs> well done. Well done. <laughs> anyway. Cautiously recommendation if you like Zelda-like games with a good story, but plenty if it's of updated, yeah. and buy the ROM instead of the cartridge, I guess, so you can get updates. For free, would you get the? I'm assuming you would get the up, the update for free, wouldn't you? Yeah, that yeah. Uh, I would assume that, and I hope I can uh, reflash this cartridge so I so I have the an, uh, the better version. a proper working version. I don't know uh, if I ever play it again to be honest but maybe if my son uh, or something wants to get it off the shelf it, uh, at least it's a good version he can play uh, 
without uh, Spiders. too many problems. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> it's it's so unfortunate. I, I yeah, what I said, it's it's a good game. Uh, 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 somewhere under the issues, <laughs> there there's like stuff like uh, really cool design which is lent from new games like uh, Hollow Knight you have to, when you enter an area you don't have a, a map yet and you have to find a character in that in that uh, section and buy the map from that character and then you have the map from that that part of the world and yeah uh, you have to buy the compass I think that's also one uh, thing of the Hollow Knight uh, borrowed of Hor Hollow Knight so you can see where you're on the map uh, stuff like that uh, the only issue with it, which I had with the map is that I couldn't see where I of, I've already been. So sometimes you walk in circles and you just miss one room and yeah. And yeah, you don't know what you've seen and what you've not seen. That's the point. Yeah. Yeah, and and because the game is fair, fairly linear, you have to find like, uh, for example, gloves to. Uh, pick up items, garden gloves or uh, a rake to uh, move uh, uh, leaves uh, out of the way. And you can. That's that's pretty funny to have all these gardening tools as uh, sort <laughs> of weapons or useful things. It's ni nicely thought of. Yeah, you have like a rake and you can good. move uh, heaps of uh, of leaves, and then you can make a ramp out of it. You can get up somewhere, stuff like that. Very creatively thought of. Hmm. So uh, yeah, does sound uh, good. Does sound good. I, I just wished that this person who made this had one other guy on the team or girl <laughs> who uh, who was really technical, really good at at the technical level or something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That would be then. It would be like. A great game and now it's just yeah unfortunately i think uh calm like a babon said uh he was sort of <laughs> angry <laughs> I, bet, I bet because you're spending money and you're getting a product and then doesn't work I, I yeah he, he bought a complete in box edition which is even more expensive so yeah i, I played three games which are better on a technical level well, okay, yeah. A bit yeah, unfortunate. And I, yeah, like I said, I don't want to dunk on this game. But yeah, maybe I should because I paid a good amount of money. And yeah. a lot of people paid a good amount of money uh, for this. I don't know how many, how much he got out of that Kickstarter. It's, yeah, we yeah. can Yeah, well, one of up. those cases. All right, well, at least we've had a look at this and uh, we can tell people, look, if you like, if you really, really want it, you can get it. It's got glitches, bugs and stuff. Maybe wait till it's done and it, and it's properly uh, fixed and you get the ver second version or version one dot something. Just make sure if you get a physical version that it's working. Maybe ask the developer first or, you know, ping Megacat Studios. I'm sure they'll know. Yeah, he, um, he got uh, 46,000 dollar to make this game on kickstarter mm, okay. um i don't know that doesn't sound like a lot comparing to other games but uh maybe it is i i don't know i, I really don't know uh the rom on kickstarter was 20 dollars so uh i don't know what, what it is now uh, it feels like 
a bit much maybe i don't know mm. uh, <laughs> i'm so sad <laughs> it's it's <laughs> such a char- it's such a charming game it, it, uh, the lion the king it has it's just a, a bit yeah it has a lot of personality and yeah it's just uh sad that the the, the technical uh part wasn't great Anyway, I'm I'm Moving talking on. in circles now, and I guess I have to move yeah, on. We, and, uh, yeah, we need to move on a little bit swiftly because the hours are going by really quick, and it is late at night. Well, it's my right. turn now. I'm going to yeah. introduce myself. I've been playing a game for the NES called Dead Tomb. Uh, I think you suggested this one to me, Rido, and I I took I took it upon myself to have a go at this, which it looks like um, a text adventure. So a point and click text adventure from LucasArts. That's that's what I saw when I saw the screenshots. I thought, oh, this is a like a point and click adventure. And I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna play it. That's yep. why I recommended it to you. <laughs> I got uh, I think the the key from Eight Bit Legit to review it on yeah, the Switch. So, yeah, let's shout out to Eight Bit Legit because they always give us keys to try these games out. So the thing is with me giving me a text adventure, point-and-click text, uh, point-and-click adventure, sorry, is a bit of a double-edged sword because I'm used to the Monkey Island and 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 that sort of family of LucasArts, Lucasfilm games and Sierra and all those. So I had high expectations for this game. Well, but first of all, what is Dead Tomb? The story is quite funny. You're in 3017, 30, so in 3017. You're basically asked by your corporation, which is VideoWay Corporation, to go back in time and just, I don't know why, but inspect what happened during the Ice Age. I don't know why. And during the, your time travels, you sort of uh, have some technical issues. <laughs> and then you end up on a pyramid and you kind of repair your spaceship, but you're missing a giant diamond to take off again and, and then you know, go back to the to the space age. So this is the story behind it. So you, I, I suppose you're trying to find a diamond here. Now, this game is for from Collector Vision Games. So the ones who've been doing Sydney Hunter, Curse of the Mayan. And it's a game that's inspired by another game called Temporal Inc. So I did a bit of research on this game because I I got a bit um, carried away with it. So Temporal Inc. is a game that probably people who who are not from Canada, Quebec, have never heard of. And it was a game, a very simple game, by the way. It's like an old school text adventure. And it doesn't have any special, you know, value except nostalgia. Uh, It was distributed on a, on a very weird platform called VideoWay System. So I did look this up and this VideoWay System was like a sort of an, they call it an analog interactive cable TV system that was offered by Quebec Canada telecommunications provider between 1990 and 2006, right? So you would get this thing at home on a subscription and you would get all sorts of stuff. That's what my understanding of it is. And it had like teletext and weather, lottery results, horoscopes, road conditions, games, and interactive TV programming and a little bit of other stuff. But mainly this was the, the, the whole package of video way. And this was in between the 1990 and 2006, which sounds a bit late in the game to be offering teletext. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think uh, didn't they this they have this in France as well? I think uh, they it also had similar system, uh, which also they they kept it very long, and that's why internet got a little bit lagging there. The, the internet was not Delayed, that popular, yeah, because they used this. Yeah, you might be right. I I don't know about that. It seems from here that this well, the video at least it was a Canadian TV service. It doesn't say obviously in Canada some some places speak French. So uh, Quebec, I think I, I'm not very very good at this, but <laughs> this is what I what I've read. And yeah, so in on the opposite side of the things, this never became popular because obviously internet was taking place more and more, and it was clear that this sort of a video way system was never going to hold, you know. So it was about. It was it was sold in about three hundred thousand residences in um, and mainly in the French speaking areas. So you might be right there when you know you say it coming from France, and it managed to make its way this video system in Great Britain as well. So in seventy thousand more or less uh, households in London as well were equipped with this video system, and it's quite funny that I've never heard of this. So that's why I did a bit of research in, <laughs> and I thought it was quite quite interesting to find this new sort of um, platform. And yes, at the time, they made this game that was called Temporal Ink, and you can see some original screenshots if you if you Google them. They're quite interesting. They look very similar, in fact, and they all they have some uh, pyramid walls with some hieroglyphics in. Uh, I haven't obviously tested this version, but this is exactly where it where this um, dead tomb comes from hmm, interesting and i also see on on the start screen that a, a claim is on that yes i couldn't find any information about that i was looking for something this is how i ended up to you know down this rabbit hole of understanding the video way and what kind of system it was and understanding temporal ink may, may, maybe they bought the rights a claim had the rights to the game i don't know how the claim <laughs> logo has ended up on, on this homebrew <laughs> on the homebrew product i don't know there must be a reason uh obviously i didn't have enough resource to find that out but it's quite interesting i will endeavor further to have a look at, at this and try to understand what what is going on and yeah just to just to conclude this the reference of uh video a being the, the your the corporation that is sending you back in time to to research the ice age is quite it's quite funny uh, so you know they they're just pointing at the at the company who made the the platform back then hmm. so that's a bit about the history and the story the game itself it seems like a nod to a point and click adventure from lucasarts okay and uh, let's say for me the graphics resemble a bit the a bit more the the rpg sorts of graphics in in that sort of time yeah, rather yeah. than the LucasArts or inspired by any of those companies back then. Let's say the options of performing an action, there are lots of them and those they seem really inspired by the LucasArts games but also obviously by the Temporal Inc which was the original one. So they tried to transport that further up in time by making it accessible with the two buttons from the NES really. The resulting product is a bit of a mishmash in between the genres, and I because I was expecting such a big game, I was a bit let down to be honest from this game. Hmm. At any rate, you start in a room, and you go around with your person. So you've got your your 
your character and you you can drive him around with your with the arrow keys well if if you're using an emulator or you know the d-pad and then you got your two buttons a and b and every time there is an interaction he will have uh, an exclamation mark on in a little speech bubble on, upon his head and then you can press uh, i think the b key is and it will activate the menu and then you can go inside and choose the verb and then perform the action on that particular um, element item that you find in the game so the the mechanics of how they rendered the the point and click is quite okay i think it works well but um cool. i'm used to the the, the lucas stuff and <laughs> yeah of course there's no comparison uh, I, so, yeah. so for example there was no clues. So LucasArts maybe would give you a clue. You would do something and there would be someone talking or not obviously talking, but they would have lines of text at the top. They would say, oh, you can't do this until you've done this. You know, and then you would kind of oh, read that text and have a little hint of where to go. Mm -hmm. Here, there is no such thing as that. So a lot of time you're just going to things that you have that have speech bubbles and then trying an option and because there's so many options as well in the text, there was a lot of options in the LucasArts games as well, but you sort of knew what you were going to do more or less. But I here... 12. I know. They, 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 I, I didn't remember if I counted them, but they were quite a lot. Yeah, but they're really random as well, like taste or yes. tie. Or... Yes, exactly. That That's one thing as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tie, taste... There are uses for them, but yeah, of course they're not generally useful as others could be. Yeah, but of course there's also use and tie and cut and taste stuff like that could also no, be that's very weird under use. That could be to that could be use, right? Yeah, because yeah, if yeah. you use an apple, for example, that's just taste probably or eat, right? <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. And so why are those verbs in there <laughs> just to have you used you that? Yeah, I've used some of them. I don't know how far I went, to be fair, in the game. But unfortunately, I found myself getting a bit bored of it because there are not as many things to interact on the screen. Again, comparison with LucasArts games, they have a screen full of stuff and then you can just... There's loads of things to click. Not everywhere, but mostly in a lot of places, you have lots of things to click. So you would click there and it would give you a sentence. It would read it out. You would click it again and it would read it again with a different, with a bit more sarcastic note. Or it would give you a clue or it would say, oh, doesn't seem to work. Or, it, But there's a, a big variety of things. Hmm. There's storytelling in the LucasArts games. And I'm, I'm sorry if I'm, if I'm comparing it to hmm. LucasArts. Maybe I shouldn't. But are there NPCs or something? People where you could talk with? I have not come across any NPCs up to now. So I, I did give it, like, say, a, a run test. Well, to be fair, more than a run test. I got stuck in certain points because I didn't really understand what I was supposed to do. And there's other little things that bring, unfortunately, brings it down uh, for me, which are you can test stuff, you can use stuff. And if it's wrong, you die. That's wow. It. So you, <laughs> so you go, you, you, I saw some little little statues that said, oh, take statue, oh, take statue, die, oh, you're dead. All right. Oh, I hate but, that. But it's not even, there's no animation, nothing. You do, your character just go, and then just, you're dead. Okay, what what happened, you know? Uh, it'll probably tell you, oh, you got, you got uh, zapped by lightning, but there's no animation, nothing. Your character's just like that, dead. 
and yeah, they put a modern, you know, modern game design decision in there where you can say you want to try again, and you try again and you start again. So that's good at least because you don't you don't have to start from the beginning and uh, and you don't there's no sort of save because you don't really need it. But what's the use of dying then? Then you can say then you can be better do another fail state like uh, oh yeah. you uh, clumsily uh, the the. The, the statue fell down or something, uh, something like that, uh, instead yeah. of dying. Because well, it's weird if you die and you can revive yourself immediately. I know, uh, <laughs> but this is the the whole experience for me was was a bit like this, you know. So I try a thing dead. Okay, I try a skeleton, and the, the, there's no clue what am I? Are they useful or not? It just says try something else. Okay, taste skeleton. <laughs> try something else. <laughs> or, or, or I don't know. There, there are very few things that then yield some sort of uh, interaction that then is relevant or gives you, if not anything else, it gives you like a a funny sentence or something. No, it's everything is no. Try something else. Try something else. Try something else. There are very few things that work. Mm. So you you end up because it, and it's very quick to make these sort of um, combinations because you're doing it with the with A and B button. You just go. Tap one, one click, two clicks, two two clicks, three clicks. You can get through all of them, and you literally yeah, it's just it's, trial and error. It's just quicker, yeah. It's just quicker just to go tap, tap 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 and go through all the options for everything. I know. I mean, I've played so many text adventures and and point and click adventures. Finding myself having to do this because I was just like not not interested because there any any interaction I would have, be it good or bad, didn't really give me anything valuable, if that makes sense. Uh, so when it was bad, it was just like, try something else or dead. Otherwise, yeah, for example, in the beginning, you could, I can spoil this because it's just the first screen. You have to remove some sand to get out of the first chamber where you're in. And uh, so you're in, the, you're in front of the pile of sand and you try 20 options before you say move. Okay, move the sand. Okay, okay. So anyways, you do that, you do it once, you, do, you have to do it three times, so it, it <laughs> takes all the sand off, and then you can move. But I didn't really, I feel a little bit of endorphin when, when, I, when I do it, because I think, oh, I've got it, I've done it. But there's nothing special about it. The, the, the character doesn't say, yeah, if I, you know, I can now go out or make some sarcastic remark or something. It doesn't do it. But also, there's not, not really like, if you do that in real life, <laughs> it's also not like a, a big success or something, moving some sand. It's not like a great, <laughs> no. great thing you did. <laughs> but it's much easier in real life, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's... And then what, 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 you remove the scent, and then then the system works in a in a in a in a way I understand what they're trying to do, and uh, so I thought it was nice. You have to go through these chambers in the pyramid, and you move from one to another through some corridors. And every time you go from one to another, there's a small cutscene, which is nice. It's animation. It's a little bit of animation. You go up uh, or left, and you can see the person's walking. But when you have to backtrack. Believe me, you do not want to see those cutscenes every time you want to go all the way back because every between every chamber you have to see a, a cutscene and it's not. You can it's skip not, it. No, well I couldn't skip it. I don't know. I, maybe you can skip it, but I, I didn't. Uh, it's uh, yeah. It sounds like a not very modernized game or something. 
I think they would they wanted just to you know uh, make this game as it was back then and I can understand maybe back then it was really good but unfortunately so many point and click adventures have come out since then and I was the worst person to play it because I was expecting sort of oh they've done sort of a LucasArts they've been inspired by that but there was nothing like that in it so I don't know if I'm being a bit petty about this I hope not I did really like the idea of having the cutscenes in between the the chambers. That was good, uh, but then that turned out to backfire on me when I was trying to go back all the way because um, I had an idea of how to solve a puzzle. There is another. There is a puzzle which is uh, some some other people have spoken about as well in in their reviews, which is you have to open a latch on the floor, and to open it you have to get like a nail. That's in a, it, it's in the wall. And you get the nail. The first time you do it, it's you say, uh, remember, take nail, okay? And it says, oh, it moves a little bit. So you're not taking it, right? So you have to do it again and again and again, and then it comes loose. But you <laughs> don't know that thing, right? So maybe you just give up the first time. <laughs> it's just wasting your time. Like, well, <laughs> so well. Did it at least give you a different outcome each time? Like, now it's a little bit more... Lose or uh, I don't remember now, but I think it does that. So it's not. It's okay. not. It does a little bit of that. Yeah, it's a bit more, a bit more, and then it comes out. Okay. Because uh, otherwise, thing... you can't really figure out if you get twice the same no, answer, no. and then you have to do it even more after the second time. Nobody would try it on a third time. Yeah, yeah. I think it does what you say. So it does say, oh, it comes a bit loose, bit loose, and it you you put it in your pocket, and then you go to this this latch. You find a rope. In order to open this latch, and I'll spoil it because, yeah, I want to spoil it. But again, it's not so far in the game. So you have to put the the nail on the latch and then attach this rope to the nail and to like a, a ring that's on the wall. And then pull the rope. But it's very unintuitive that I, because in real life, I wouldn't do that. I would try and pull the latch. I would probably put the you know the nail. I would put the rope, if anything, and then pull the rope. But it didn't really work for me that way. And it took me a long time, and I couldn't get out of that room. And I kept on going up and down, up and down, and I couldn't find my way out because yeah. also you need that's when you need tie, tie rope on the nail, and not use. But I'm coming from a background of only Lucas Arts, and I, for me, it's use. You know, yeah, use. Uh, use rope on nail, yeah. Use <laughs> it's it's just making it overly complicated, and of course you have to try all those verbs just to see what works. It's yeah, yeah. I don't know, yeah. I don't know, really obtuse, bizarre. Um, and then there's a bit of inconsistency, as in then you you find some sort of translator, if I recall correctly, and you and you can translate some hieroglyphs in one room, and they pop up like a exclamation mark. But then you go in another room in front of an other hieroglyphs and they don't light up. And, you, and you're like, why, why, do, why don't these? Why can't I not translate these? They, they look exactly the same as the other ones. Like, they're not like specially designed that, oh, these are sticking out more oh, so I can interact with them. Yeah. And I, you can't do it with them. So that as well, I, I thought when I got that translator thing that I could translate any hieroglyphs and I could read what, what it was saying, but that wasn't the case. Another thing I ran into was a room with some potions. No clue what they did. So obviously I drink one dead. <laughs> okay. I put one down, drink another one dead. Okay, so well, this is not working, is it? So then when I found the translator, 
Then I could read on the bottles. By then, I had I had already drank them all, and I found out which one was the one that I needed to drink. Yeah, because of I you can just try die. it out. Because yeah. if you die, there's no no you can just try again. It's, yeah, okay. Well, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a really rudimentary game, if I hear it. Yes, and I can understand, you know, that um, that it comes from this uh, this desire to to make a, a modern version of of Temporal Link and people who are nostalgic maybe from, from that game in Quebec maybe would appreciate this a lot and I think how they made it is nice uh, the music is nice though again it's a bit strange the music because it doesn't really fit a, like, a, like a pyramid for me especially when I, I don't know if you then I think you can go you can leave the pyramid I saw some screens and so, but I never left it but it doesn't really re it's not Egyptian. It's it's just a you know a, a tune, <laughs> and okay. I was just like, okay. But uh, I feel they just one to one replicated to the NES and not did any modernization. Maybe that you when you die you can just continue yeah. the game. Maybe that's one thing they changed. Yes, but yes, and that's fine. If that's what they want to do, that's fine. But they're selling this at fifty nine pounds uh, dollars for the the cart, so. Well, I mean, I I don't want to bash this game again, but you know, if you're a fan of, of or you got really nostalgia from Dead Tomb and you want to buy it and you really want to play this game, then you know that's fine. It's it's for you. I would try it. You try the demo first, I would say, and, and see if you like the demo, and it might be for you. And but for me, that I've I've come from all the LucasArts adventures and Sierra, etc., etc. Unfortunately, this is not for me at all. Unfortunately, I got bored really quickly, and uh, and I didn't really find any incentive to to try and get the right verb because you try the right verb and it doesn't really work sometimes. Or what I expect, you know, and it doesn't really even give you anything else rather than try something else. Anything you do, try something else. Try something. Try something else. That's that's all it says. So it's just quicker just to go, you know, one to one and try all the options. But that's not how you want to really play a game, is it? So, <laughs> so what's the verdict then? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's so, only for people who are nostalgic, I guess. Or... I think so. I think so. I, I wouldn't recommend this to anyone who's played LucasArts Adventures, uh, or you know, like Monkey Island, or you know, Day of the Tentacle, and all they, that. Sort they can of... also just play those games instead. Mm. If they never played it. Yeah, for me, yes. For me, the only people who this cartridge uh, appeals to is the people who used to, who actually played Temporal Inc. back in the 1990s and, and really have a nostalgia for it. Yes, that I think might work. Um, but even if for those people, if they played them, you know, LucasArts uh, or Text Adventures or um, Point and Click Adventures, it's going to be hard going back to that sort of mechanics that are very, 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 very old. Yeah, way. It's, but maybe it's also, this is more like a game yeah, uh, to, to have this game still in the world instead of a system where it's not anymore. Dead. So it's mm. sort of... Uh, preservation, sort of. Preservation, I guess. Preservation project, maybe. Yeah. Um, but why? Yeah, you could also make it uh, a Windows game. 
Yeah. If you want to preserve it, right? Why, why, why an NES game? Yeah, that were, those were exactly my thought. Why NES? What does it all have to do with NES? <laughs> 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 and also weird. it's gonna be a cartridge game and i think it's pretty expensive yeah and of course you can via uh, 8-bit legit published on switch uh, xbox yeah One. and i'm sure they've done a brilliant job of converting it it's fine but you know you have to like the game yeah but yeah of course yeah you can find it there for sure and then the nes version it seems uh, they don't have a rom for it so it's a bit weird concept I can see wrong. The packaging of, of copies. Yeah, the packaging of the of the game is is quite nice. It's got manual. It's got like the, the the map of the pyramid, which is all nice. It's all nice. It's nice to call if you're a collector, maybe as well. Yeah, maybe like if a you're blue a collector. Cartridge. It looks looks nice. Okay, well, uh, I don't know what to say. <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's sort of unfortunate that this game came in my hands but it probably would have been the same if Diego would have got it or because we both avid LucasArts gamers and yeah, but also, I also played yeah Curse of the Monkey Island stuff like that so yeah 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 and this is not trying I understand that maybe this is not trying to be that it's trying to be its own thing but because so much stuff has gone by by then like you know you know by 1990, we had Loom, probably Monkey Island, Maniac Mansion. Oh, this does not hold uh, anything to those sort of games, unfortunately. So it's really hard for me to recommend unless you, you know, you've got nostalgia or you're a collector. And then, yeah, maybe, maybe then you have something here that you might be interested in. Okay, well, that's a bit of a down downer. <laughs> we, uh, we made our uh, January promises of... <laughs> <laughs> of bringing you're proper, the lesser you're games right. uh, to the show. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I, I do. I don't know. I don't. It's not like I feel sorry about it, but it has to be said. Yeah, in my opinion. So I need to say this stuff, and uh, it makes sense for me for someone who, as I said, that's nostalgic to buy this. They played it. You know, my my, my partner. She likes a thing called Hunchback on on the Dragon Thirty Two. But I do not believe that is a great game. But she has a nostalgia <laughs> for it, yeah. So I, I have uh, over two hundred uh, Game Boy games, and there are a bunch of them are really stinkers, but uh, <laughs> I still like them. So yeah, of course, if you're nostalgic, yeah. you you want to play them. But. Yeah. Okay, so there that there you have my two cents on this game. You can yeah. use my information to your advantage. <laughs> I will. Okay. Are you there? <laughs> yeah. Stay away. <laughs> Anyway, let's continue on to the news. Okay. Right, what do you guys have? Uh, well, I have one small piece of news, uh, probably nothing extraordinarily interesting, but I recently noticed that uh, a new mini version of console or a a retro computer is coming this time it's the atari 400 and it's kind of surprising um i don't know what to think about it because um i think we we got so many minis done in the last few years the 64 or the vic 20 genesis nes i have lost track of how many 
of these consoles have been uh, remade in this mini version, which is basically usually always just a, an emulator and um, it, it's it's an easy solution for those who want to play just a few classics and maybe add their own through a USB stick. But uh, so, well, kind of thinking that scraping the barrel a little bit with these minis but <laughs> but anyway i i've read this should be available at the end of march 2024 and of course i thought yeah what why why the atari 400 i've never seen this device in my life yeah. what is mm. this uh, well uh, well in case you don't know it, it's an 8-bit computer and it kind of predates the famous Commodore 64 and uh, Spectrum Sinclair ZIX. It, it came out in 1979 already. And um, there's a series of these machines that I think they are just called 8-bit Atari home computers. And uh, they are. I think they are basically all compatible in terms of software. But I've read, I, I checked, and I, and I think they sold a few millions of these anyway. So it's not exactly a niche product mm. of the 80s. It must have had enough uh, fans back then to to make sense to have a mini. Um, even though I wonder why they chose the, 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 the layout 400. of the 400, not, for example, the 800, which I think it was more popular. And uh, they were basically the same computer, same you know operating system. You know why? I, because people buy this 400 and then next year they bring out the 800 and those same people will buy that as well. Uh, well, it could be, but they are really the same in terms of software. So I'm not sure yeah, they, but, they will do. But they there are 25 do. games built in in this one and then mm -hmm. there's... 25 other games built in yeah. the other one. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> it's all so, just the money. Mm, uh, <laughs> I well, I wouldn't it's also bet quite that... telling that the, 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 the page where they sell this uh, uh, device don't have screenshots of the games. <laughs> so okay, okay. Mm. the screenshots aren't that great looking. <laughs> the device uh, looks cool, but... Uh, <laughs> I have to say I've seen some some games only on emulators because I don't have any of these, and uh, they're not bad. They are quite on par with the Commodore sixty four games. It was just that um, on one hand, I think Atari was a little bit more clever because they all made they made all of these compatible in terms of software, and they were just different price levels. Like I think, if I remember right. Um, these 400 came out in 79 with a very small 8 kilobit of memory or kilobytes, so, sorry, 8 kilobytes of memory. Uh, but it was four years before the Commodore 64 who had 64 kilobytes of memory. And uh, the 800 version had probably 16K and initially and you could expand it to 48K or something. And in the following years, I think they kept making the same um, same models, but with more RAM into them, just because it was getting cheaper. Mm. 
and uh, then they moved to the Excel series and Excel series in the middle of the 80s, so just improving them. But essentially, the good thing was that, if I remember right, all the software was compatible. So, of course, if you had a game that required 48K and you didn't have enough memory in your 400, it wouldn't run on that, but you could always expand the memory up to a certain maximum and, and hope to, to run the same game. And just as a comparison, Commodore models were largely incompatible with exception of 64 and 128 and then the 16 and the plus 4, but these were incompatible and incompatible with the VIC-20 and of course incompatible with the Amiga series, which was 16 bits. So it was more of a mess in, in Commodore world rather than uh, Atari. But I don't think they were bad machines anyway at all. And they had one interesting feature that these early ones all had four joystick ports. Hmm. And you can play a fishing game. Well, I think I think it's a, it's a it should have been a, a great potential for this, but sadly, not many games were made for four players. And I think probably if they had, maybe history would have been a little bit more favorable towards these computers because with the Commodores and the Spectrums, you couldn't play more than two people at the same time, really. But uh, can this uh, device uh, display more than four sprites uh, at once on the screen? <laughs> well, I guess, I guess it, it can. At least some <laughs> games existed with four, four players. Uh, your one of your favorite games uh, is on this device, Bruce Lee. Yeah, oh. it, it, I, that's that's because in in fact all these Atari eight bit series got a lot of the same games as uh, the Commodore sixty four, and in the middle of the eighties, many many developers simply made ports for Commodore, Atari eight bits, and then also for uh, Spectrum, and and possibly more as many as they could. So, it, yeah, I looked at the 25 games list and I think I have at least 20 of them on the Commodore 64. So, uh, lot, lots of games in common. And so, that is also one reason that I'm thinking, why why would someone really want to buy uh, this? Unless, of course, it was your childhood computer and you wanted to have the same shape but it's not it's not a real computer it's a, it's an emulator on a very uh, small size and so yeah i'm not sure course, again a nostalgia thing yeah i also have like the nes and the super nintendo mini i like those but uh, i never play them because uh, i've i've of the originals as well yeah <laughs> yeah they <laughs> they are they're good for people who don't really want uh, the hassle of old hardware, maybe getting a CRT or finding a way to to show mm. the the graphics nicely enough on a modern monitor. Yeah, it's just plug or, and play. Yeah, exactly. Oh. It's plug and play. So if you just wanna, and and it says that um, any way you can of course plug your USB stick and put more games into it. So oh, yeah, that's it, at least good. Yeah, I'm not sure that whether all minis have this option, but 
No, 25. The, the, the Nintendo uh, and Mega Drive and uh, mm. um, they only have uh, the built-in games. Graphics. Uh, they have like fixed amount of games and they can be hacked. I think the Turbo Graphics one is isn't even hacked yet. So, uh, but there's a lot of hassle mm-hmm. to uh, put more games on there. Uh, but at least when you buy a Super Nintendo Classic, uh, it's twenty one really great games <laughs> where you can spend hours on <laughs> and not like yeah i don't know i can be really hyped for like uh, an 8-bit port for of millipede i mean mm. i can play that for three minutes maybe and then it's like okay nice let's let's do something else (laughs) let's play something (laughs) right I don't know it's just yeah Yeah. I don't know yeah but maybe if you're really nostalgic you can play Millipede for nights I don't know (laughs) but yeah uh, Boulder Dash is nice or Miner 2049er I have that on Game Boy I like that Uh, Mule if you got Baldur's Gate you're not gonna play Millipede (laughs) Well, let me tell you, uh, it's not not a fair comparison, of course. But <laughs> anyway, yeah, uh, nice for the fans. <laughs> yeah. So. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. So, what do you have? Well, in a similar fashion, I think Hyperkin is releasing um, a new handheld, Sega Genesis. Ooh, oh, you can play a handheld. Sega Genesis. Yeah, oh, Guido, it's for you. <laughs> and you have to complete all the games and once it's on handheld. Yeah, get it a little hotter now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, so they're making this um, portable Genesis, which looks quite neat. But then, I don't know, I always get a bit weirded out when they transpose a not handheld console to a handheld console, if that makes sense. Yeah. And, and then you can plug your own cartridges, but you plug them in this... Um, in this handheld, which seems to have a nice screen and all, it's just a bit like if you're if you're nostalgic of of um, of the actual Genesis or you know Mega Drive, in fact, uh, then that doesn't really become the authentic experience anymore. I don't know if this makes any That's difference true. to people. Yeah, uh, I don't know. But I play a lot of ROMs on like Super Nintendo games and even Genesis games or Mega Drive games on my Mio Mini. So if mm. you have a lot of original cartridges and you don't want to hostage your TV, uh, <laughs> because there's a lot of households which have like one main TV, especially in Europe, I think. Where I where have only one. How many TVs do you have? None. Okay, you're counting. I have one counting. Like That's in my good. living room and one somewhere, <laughs> like a CRT. You know, but yeah, that's it. But um, yeah. I technically yeah, don't even if, have if one. Some, if someone is watching that uh, a TV program on the on the living room TV, you can maybe play a Genesis game on the handheld next to it. Why not? So yeah, there is a use yeah, for it. Yeah, I suppose it's an option. The, the, yeah, the, the real question is how is the emulation? How is the screen size? Most of these modern devices have like a, a sixteen by nine screen. And uh, not maybe not the proper resolution, so maybe it doesn't scale up nicely. Stuff like that is really important, I think, on handheld devices that the scaling is nice. 
like uh like integer scaling if you want or else you get you get the shimmering and stuff there's a lot of issues with these kind of devices and i don't know if hyperkin is really a good brand well, i've read a bit into it and it seems like yeah i mean for the for the amount of money that they charge they do pretty well okay. that that's the general gist that i've got so they've made some other stuff like the retron 5 i think um and and of course there was a handheld uh, Genesis system, uh, the Nomad. Oh yeah, yeah. So okay, I, I don't know much about it. for playing on a Nomad for one maybe, hour on maybe. Uh, eight triple uh, A batteries, and now they can play. It was for it 10 a, was it a Genesis and the Nomad? Yeah. Was it exactly a Sega Mega Drive? Yeah, it was a Mega Drive where you can put in uh, Mega Drive cartridges and play uh, Mega Drive games, but. Uh, yeah, uh, of course, uh, energy hungry. Let, let's cut to the chase here. This um, this this thing is called the Mega Ninety Five. It has a USB dock um, and then USB C, by the way. Oh, so it's a dock, so you can also play it on TV at least. Yes, uh, HDMI output, and then you have some ports, a couple of um, Mega Drive controller ports. And hasn't got a release date yet, but it's not released. Also no price. But usually the Hyperkin keeps uh, their prices pretty low compared to other, to uh, to the, what's it called, the Mega, the Analog. That, analog that's yeah, it, that, they, that those company. are expensive, but uh, you yeah. also get what you pay for. But yeah, you have to look at some reviews and then people say, yeah, okay, uh, the, you know, this, the Hyperkin are not, as premium as analog, but they cost a fourth and they do a pretty good job anyways. That's that's the general gist, so mm. I don't know. Okay, well, looks, uh, looks Yeah, fun. so they've, I think they've made as well, like initially the Superboy, which is the SNES sort of same thing, and that cost about 120 quid, uh, sorry, $120. So that's just to give you an idea probably how much it's gonna cost in, in the future. Interesting that they're making all this sort of stuff, I think. Just uh, one last thing. Someone has beaten Tetris, just for you, Guido. I've the seen that, yeah. yeah. It's all Me over too. the news, I think. International news, traditional yeah, news yeah. even. So, uh, yeah. yeah, that guy uh, was like a 13-year-old or something. He, uh, yeah, he yeah, broke yeah. Tetris, basically. NES Tetris. <laughs> there was like a kill Good screen, screen uh, apparently uh, which totally melts uh, the the whole game yeah you can see the video on youtube as well he just goes oh, i crashed it and he's like oh my god what, what a what a yeah well done mate completely <laughs> yeah Good stuff and then uh, yeah uh, there was a lot of people criticizing that he has no life and what are those parents doing and uh, but i think yeah, obviously you don't yeah there's a lot of people playing games and putting a lot of hours into stuff. Why can't he just enjoy his life and do stuff he likes? Why can't he put the hours in Baldur's yeah. Gate instead, which is much better? <laughs> well, I put a lot of hours in Tetris as well. I can appreciate that. Yeah. So you're going to put some hours in Baldur's Gate. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Okay. That's it. Uh, we will stop here with the news. We have two emails uh, after desperately asking why there's no emails uh, someone did uh, find compassion and write to us <laughs> so yeah these have been hanging around a little while so i've put them in for this episode but um yeah i think you can do one each if you want so 
So uh, Cam did send us an email. Hey guys, I'm kind of a younger listener and was wondering how to uh, do LAN parties back in the day. My dad told me people would bring computers to gathering and my screen turns off. I don't know why. Uh, my dad told <laughs> me people would bring computers to gatherings. But would, would they also bring a giant TV? How did that work? Wow, I feel old by this email. <laughs> <God>. <laughs> so thank you, Cam, for emailing me. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I did go to uh, land parties. And I brought my CRT uh, on the back of the car. Yeah. Uh, and it was a lot of howling... Uh, heavy materials around but uh, it was a telephone <laughs> but of course oh. there was like 15 inch CRT so there weren't, weren't that bad computer monitors I think I can't remember ah, the smaller ones being yeah. too heavy right. yeah I can't like around a 28 inch already it starts to be a bit too much right but like a 15 inch computer monitor wasn't that yeah, bad yeah I suppose yeah, I suppose you're right. But then, well, well, they they would break. No, they were quite prone. Well, you know, I don't know. I repaired quite a few and they seem very delicate to me. So I'm like, oh, I don't know if I would take them around. I didn't do any of these land parties oh, bringing stuff oh, we around. Had, the we had one uh, every month, uh, like in the neighborhood. So uh, me and my brother went there and uh, played a lot of Quake 2 uh, uh, on the land parties. And it was also the first place where I saw a uh, voodoo uh, powered Ah, yes, computer. yes. The so a 3DFX uh, one. And it was like, Stuff, wow, yeah. this looks Those crazy. are crazy expensive nowadays. Oh, yeah, uh, I can imagine. But the, the graphic enhancement of those graphic, the 3DFX card was like night and day. Like from software to actually accelerated oh, of course, uh, of uh, graphics. It was a crazy difference. And like one, the one month, uh, we, one person had the 3DFX. The month after that, everyone had one because everyone was so impressed how that looked. And uh, yeah, it was quite a revolution. But I remember the LAN parties, the, the monitors weren't the problem. The network was the problem because um, <laughs> you don't have the modern UTP cables like we had, have now, but we had those like cables, coax cables, I think. And you had to... Every, every time when someone wants to join the network, they had to like extend that net, uh, that cable. Uh, so they had to plug in a new cable into that network. Um, but you don't you didn't have a hub or something. so you had to like uh, daisy chain all the computers and you had to yeah, I remember token ring wasn't and it, or something to, like that. It was yeah. terminators to enter the chain and if there was one person who had it set up wrong, then nothing worked anymore. And it was a really a nightmare, the networking at back in the day. But now it's just yeah, Wi-Fi. So it would be very much better, much better. Diego, did you do uh, LAN parties? I don't recall. Not really as such. I think I've been playing LAN games, but uh, not really having a party, like going to friends, bringing my own computer. No. Not like that. It was more like uh, at uh, school computer rooms. And oh, yeah. uh, same, same, same yeah. as me, to be fair. Yeah. Yeah. I could never get into bringing all the stuff around. It's too much of a No, hassle. no, no. I remember, I, well, <laughs> maybe going to some friends that were like uh, three brothers and 
um, each one having its own computer or they, well, they were having three, at least three computers in the same house. They would just brought them to the same room. But uh, I don't think I ever uh, brought my own anywhere, really. Hmm. Okay, fair enough. I, mean, I have to say that, uh, well, you you already know it, but uh, I wasn't very much into those kind of games in the 90s due to the motion sickness effect. So like Dooms and Quakes. Uh, so, And uh, the other kind of games that I would play in, in LAN groups were more like um, StarCraft, like real-time strategy games. Yeah, yeah. we did Same that as, as well. Star Age of Empires. StarCraft, yes. Yeah. Stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. so that, yeah. that kind of game I played in LANs, yes. Yeah, but LANs, pre-existing made LANs, like me. Like, you know, I used to have an office and I used all the office's uh, computers to play LAN party with my friends when and the weekend, that was good. Yeah, but it was so much better to play on a LAN than on the dial-up modem. I also played Quake on the Dawop and uh, it was sometimes really <laughs> like a slideshow. Uh, we the reader likes to hurt himself. <laughs> yeah, but uh, there was no other option. So, uh, yeah, we had a lot of yeah. fun with the LAN parties. Pioneers. We were pioneers of, of multiplayer. Right. That's what we were. Okay, I can read uh, an email as well. Uh, this one is from Simon and he writes... As a passionate retro gamer, I buy quite a few new games for old systems. I also have two children, and up to now I didn't think much about the relationship of these two things. My kids could play the retro games. I felt they were safe. It was not until later on I discovered some of these games contain, in fact, mature language, and since then refrained from just handing out the Game Boy. Shouldn't there be a parental advisory on indie retro boxes? I, I think we... we well, yes. I would say, yes, of course, but don't they have parental advisory? Well, back in the day, when the Game Boy was recent, of course, they they didn't yet, I think. I think uh, that came later, around late 90s, I think. But uh, the new games, yeah, of course, they have uh, sometimes bad language, but... Uh, yeah, and yeah, I already yeah. uh, there was like that uh, game of Gumpy Function was like a lot of f words and swearing. Uh, uh, I thought there was a lot of f words and swearing, but he uh, Gumpy Function actually messaged me after the show. He said there was only one or two, but <laughs> so mm. you. Uh, but yeah, it felt like a lot. Uh, maybe because it's weird on all, like retro games. I didn't games, have any warning. like re retro games. It, does does feel weird that there's like uh, if you play on yeah, a weird on a on retro system you don't expect those things but yeah yeah but I I think Simon's talking about new yeah, games yeah, course, yeah. for all systems yeah. so uh, I wouldn't expect all games to have much questionable language I, I won't expect it's it so much more common these yeah. days in my opinion yeah. uh, but then of course new games i'd say they should have parental advisory do like they not have new them? i don't even know to be yeah honest. that's that's what i wonder as well why they don't have it i mean even if they are for retro systems as new games for new systems do have pg ratings and things like that why don't games for all systems that are made now why shouldn't they have 
parental advisor as, as well. It would make all sense that they do. So, Rido, if you fetch one of your boxes, they, uh, do they have parental advisory or a rating on them? No. But one of the, the newer. All my physical games are also for every for everyone. For everyone so. mm. Um, mm, that's interesting. I don't know. That's a good point, actually. I, I, I really don't know. So. Yeah, but yeah, <laughs> uh, it's weird that um, I don't know if you want to publish a game if it's like obligatory to have that lice li that uh, advi parental advisory thingy because every other game, like a game for Switch, has that like uh, PG rating on it. So mm. I don't know if like because it's homebrew that it's still sort of underground and it doesn't mm. have to be rated because I, I, yeah maybe because it's so niche I don't know yeah uh, but I think it's a good it question be. I think we should investigate this mm. I don't know mm. yeah I agree I think even even if they are like uh, fan games that. Uh, at least give a warning or that something. are distributed for free or something like that. Yeah, they should they should have a warning. Of course, then a completely different matter is um, whether the PG rating system makes sense or not, yeah, and uh, how it, it's different between different countries and cultures, and it's it's complicated. But but as a as a general attitude. I would say that they, that they really should have. Okay. Well, yeah, um, yeah I think yeah, I don't know enough, unfortunately, about this. I can't really comment more than what I what I have. Uh, I think the guys also said what they think as well. Well, I think I should investigate this. We should have a look and ask around yeah. and maybe come back to you, Simon, because it's an interesting one. I never thought about this, to be honest. But, Me neither. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, guys, for the emails. Thank you for coming tonight. Uh, we talked about more games. That was really cool. Uh, game at newgameoldframe.com is where you can write these emails. Please continue writing because they're all interesting, but some of them have sparked some questions that maybe we haven't thought about, like this one. So mm. it's really interesting. Yeah. Thank you for, for sending them. Join our Discord if you haven't and uh, come and chat with us. I'll let Weeda do the wrap up and then we'll say goodbye. Uh, Jago brought Jetty Mountain for C64. Uh, I brought Kutsu for Game Boy. And Andy brought Dead Tomb for NES. That's it. That's us done. Any shout outs? I have two. One is for Stika. Th Hello, Stika. Thank you for coming by. And another one, obviously, for the Retro Asylum guys. And Mark. Yeah. They were great shows, I think. They uh, yeah. came out quite nicely. And uh, always nice to have an extra guest uh, to the show. Yeah. Thank you. All right, then. Okay. Thank you, guys. Talk to you next time and good night to you all. Bye. Bye. Goodbye. Do, do, do. <laughs>